Good evening, everyone. How y'all? Great. For those of you who are tuning in at home, welcome as well. Thanks for inviting us into your living room. For those of you who've made your way into the room tonight, it's just it's good to gather together, uh, and it's great to kind of enjoy some nice weather and enjoy some Jesus. Yeah, as we sing tonight and hear from the Word. So, anywho, uh, for those of you who are new, uh, we are Element City Church. My name is Lyle. I'm the worship director here. And uh, it's just nice to have you. Uh, one thing we want to make sure all of our new folks know about is the Element City Church app. So if you've yet to download that or find that, it's going to be in the Google Play Store. It's going to be in the App Store. You can get it on your device. That's where you're able to get sermon notes. That's where you're able to get, uh, gosh, uh, updates when it comes to news and events that are going on. Uh, you're going to be able to give through that. There's playlists. So lots of great ways to get connected through the app there. So uh, in light of events, I want to tell you about two that are coming up. One uh, is going to be this weekend. It's the second Saturday of the month, which means we're going to have our Second Saturday food distribution. You got it. That's right. So it's going to be right here this Saturday at 8.30 a.m. It's actually really cool how this whole thing works. Uh, people just line up in their cars. They drive through. We're able to load the food into their trunks. So uh, if you are looking for a way that you can get involved, maybe connect with some people, uh, feel free to join us this Saturday at 8.30. The other event we want to let you know about is that there's still room for those of you who are wanting to go to the marriage retreat that's coming up in August to sign up. So don't don't forget, there's a deposit that's due for that. I believe it's $50, and that's going to reserve your place so that you can join us for that. So uh, let's all stand together as we get ready to pray and get started tonight. Uh, this week's Church of the Week is Grace Temple Missionary Baptist Church, and their pastor is Grady Scott, so we're going to pray for them uh, and then just pray uh, for a, a fresh move of the Spirit tonight. So God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that we get to gather together uh, under the name of Jesus and lift high uh, his name to, to just declare your greatness, God, and uh, Thank you so much for the work that you've been doing in our lives, the work that you're doing in our city, and uh, just that we get to gather together uh, to celebrate those things and uh, be fed so that we can go out and just keep being a part of building the kingdom here in Tucson. And so we pray for our brothers and sisters at, uh, at Grace uh, Grace Temple uh, Missionary Baptist Church. We pray for Pastor Grady there, and we just ask your blessing upon them. We ask that you would uh, work through them uh, to be a blessing to their community. And uh, so whatever needs that they have, God, would you continue to provide for them? Uh, in the areas where you've blessed them and given them favor, Lord, would they be able to step even more strongly into those um, Ability so that they can be a light to not just to, to their community, but just all of Tucson. And that, God, you would be glorified through everything that happens in that church, Lord. So we pray tonight, God, would you show up? Would you move in power? Would you send your Holy Spirit to dwell in this time and in this place? And would you just give us uh, a wonderful time to gather together, uh, to be uh, filled and refueled so that we can live the life that you've called us to live? So, Jesus, we love you. Uh, we're excited for all you want to do tonight. We just ask that you'd move in power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures the fade are never enough. You came along and put me back together. 
And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's Tell them, oh, there's nothing 
your choice Cause you're that too I won't be for my feelings I hold fast to what is true And if the cross brings transformation Then I'll be crucified with you Cause death is just a toy Into resurrection life If I join you in your suffering one more time. Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be Magnified in me. That's our heart's cry tonight, Jesus. Would you be glorified? Would you be lifted up as the name above all other names? We worship you tonight, Jesus. We thank you that we get to gather under your name. That we get to have this time where we can lift you high. That as we sing these songs of praise, that somehow this is what refuels us, this is what refills us, and this is what you've made us to do. And so we find uh, the completion of our enjoyment of you when we get to publicly praise your name and when we get to join with other believers to do the same. So God, would these moments have meaning for us throughout the week? Not just these times of worship as we sing songs, but especially the time in the word, God, as Jack comes to speak, would your word go forth boldly tonight in a transformational way that would cover over all of our hearts and speak to us the message that we need to hear from you tonight. So we just thank you, Spirit, that you're already at work tilling the soil of our hearts. Would your word plant itself firmly within us and sprout up and produce healthy fruit that grows, that helps transform us and shape us to be more like Jesus. 
That's your desire. That's what you want, God. So would you help us to put ourselves up on that altar as a living sacrifice to receive what you have for us tonight. You're ready to work. You're ready to move. And we're ready to listen tonight. And so if you're up for it, would you just take a moment? Would you pray for yourself? Just ask God to speak to you tonight. Ask him to let his word go forth and uh, to bring the message that you need to hear. Take a moment to pray for Pastor Jack as he comes to speak. Ask God to anoint this message, to anoint this time, to use him uh, to be a blessing to all of us as he shares the word. Yes, Jesus. Would you be magnified tonight? It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. It is always a delight to, to gather together to worship, and whether you're joining us from home or joining us here, we are thrilled to have us connected for uh, just time of worship, kind of putting our heart's attention on God. We'll continue with that. If you're new, uh, we're going to talk for a little bit um, and just kind of engage with the scripture. Uh, and this month, we're kind of looking at, I think, one of uh, Jesus' most memorable and powerful parables that he ever told, a story that he told. Jesus told lots of stories. In fact, we'll look at that tonight. Tonight's kind of a, an intro about where Jesus is going as he's telling this particular story. And really, it's three stories in a row that he gets to. And in Luke 15 is this incredible um, display of stories that comes out of a very tense moment. And Jesus chooses to use these stories to respond to that moment. And so in Luke 15, that's where we're going. But uh, Luke records, you understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are kind of like the autobiography, if you will, of Jesus' life, his teachings, his ministry, what he does, who he was and what he was about, people trying to capture, okay, here's who Jesus really is and trying to help us understand that. But in Luke 19, there's this one simple verse that Jesus says that Luke records for us that is, is profound, uh, it's simple in first pass, but it's unique, and it, it drills down, and really, you could tie it back to Luke 15, because I think what Jesus is doing in Luke 15 is actually amplifying what he says here. It's at the tail end of the story of Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus, the short guy? We all love short guys. Uh, and so, like Zacchaeus, right, at the end of that story, uh, Jesus says to the people that were there in this, and he says, look, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. For the Son of Man, that was a title he used for himself often, but the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And then the Gospel of Luke just kind of continues on with another story, but there's something about this that I think in Luke 15, and this tense moment that's exchanged that I want us to look at tonight, and begin to look at these stories that Jesus has told. You understand the stories. You've heard them before. It's the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son, uh, the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard it by that title. And, and this month, we're going to look at this particular parable, but I want to set it up with a little bit. I, I don't know if you've ever lost something that you had to go searching for. Maybe anyone ever lost their phone? 
Isn't that a weird feeling when you've lost your phone? You, you kind of feel like half-dressed, and you're like, I, I don't know where my phone is. You, maybe you've lost AirPods. Maybe you've lost uh, your keys. Anyone ever lose your keys? Like, all the time, you lose your keys. You're that person, okay? Listen, there is hope, uh, because you can actually, like, get something in your house. We have this hanger, and that's inside our door where I'm putting the keys. My wife does not like it, but I tell her. I know where they are every time. And like, so we kind of have this ongoing debate. I'm winning at this point, but I think I'm going to lose eventually. Uh, so, but like, we have this little debate of how do you find keys. I don't know if you've lost other things. Hang on one second. Maybe you've lost, uh, some of you would say you lost your mind, you're just whatever that may be. But um, anyone ever lost your luggage before on a trip? Uh, this particular piece of luggage is really special to me because uh, where I lost it was we, uh, we uh, Elements in Pantano and a few other churches kind of came together to help start a Compassion Children's Center and church in Playas, Ecuador. We've been kind of sponsoring kids from there for the last five years or so, and we've gotten to go a couple different times down there to visit uh, Ani Ease, the little girl we sponsor, and, and we've gotten to visit all the kids there and the church and the pastors there and, and bless them. And it's just uh, this last trip that we took a couple summers ago, we were boarding the plane in Panama City. So the trip is over, the mission trip went great and all that, and we're boarding the plane coming home, and, and yet like 178 passengers or so on this plane, and we all get there, they're getting ready to shut the door, and all of a sudden the captain comes on and says, look, uh, we're going to have to deboard the plane, which is kind of a weird feeling when you hear that, and you're kind of like, well, is there like mechanical issues, like, because we don't want to get in the sky and have mechanical issues, uh, but like, but it wasn't that, it was like, we found kind of through the, the loopholes that one of the pilots had lost his ID, and they wouldn't let the plane go because they, he couldn't prove who he was and, and like this whole little thing. So like imagine 180 people getting off the plane in Panama City and now they got to find a whole new way home. And so we're all at this counter in this giant line and it's taking hours to get up there. We've got this group of 15 or so and, and this group of 15 that was supposed to be in one flight going one way is now split up into three different groups going different ways. We're going through Miami. We're sleeping in the terminal at like two in the morning in Miami trying to catch the next flight to Dallas and one group had to go up through Chicago and other things. And so it was just a mess getting home. And when, when I got back to Tucson eventually, like a day and a half later than like a, you know, a full day later than what was expected, my bag didn't make it shocker. Right? And so in that moment, it, like, there's a part of you that's like, oh, well, it's just a bag. Not that big. I mean, it's got nice clothes in it, sort of nice. Uh, and then, like, a couple trinkets and stuff that you got there, and you kind of want it back. But, like, I, I found myself really missing this particular bag. And I know it's just a bag, but there was something about it's my bag. And, and, and you know how this works when you, the airline finally gets your bag to the place you're going, they call you, and, and they can either deliver it to you, and I drove back to the airport, and I walked into the room. And I don't know if you've ever walked into the room, but the room with all the bags, right? And I never thought about it, because I've never been in that situation. I, I never thought about walking into this room that's wall-to-wall -wall bags, and, and what hit me in that minute was, okay, I'm looking for my bag, but what hit me in that moment is, Every one of these bags has a story. Like, there could be this bag over here, could be like that, that athlete who's on the recruiting trip, right? And he's trying to meet the coach, and, and for some odd reason, his bag 
got lost. Or, or maybe this bag over here, it's pink, and so maybe it's a, a little girl who's on her way to her grandma's for a week-long adventure with her, and, and her bag got lost. So this couple bags over here matching kind of way, and, and maybe those were a, a young couple who was taken off for the weekend getaway from the kids, right, for the first time, or maybe their honeymoon, where they're heading. This bigger bag, it seems a little more industrial. Maybe that was this business guy who'd spent months preparing for his trip to the big city for the big pitch to try to win it for his company, for all the work he had done, and his bag gets lost. And maybe there's just mission trip guy who lost his bag uh, trying to get home from Ecuador. And What hit me in that moment was how much this bag means. I know it's just a bag. But the story behind it. See, this is the bag I bought 18 years ago when I was going on my very first international mission trip to China. And, and we had to have a bag that would fit in the overhead bin because we were making so many connecting flights in so many different countries to get there halfway around the world. And, and I remember sitting in row 28 in the middle seat and the door closed. And, and God and I had this little conversation of God, uh, I know it's a big world. I've been to Mexico. And I got, I got nine teenagers and three other staff that I'm responsible for for the next 25 days. And I have no idea what I'm doing. My whole world is in this bag. And I'm leaving my kids for almost a month. And, and, and I don't know what is on the other side of the world, God. Would you, would you meet us there? I know you're already there. I know my mind has a hard time getting around that, but would you do some things? And we watched God do some incredible things in a country where we had to talk in code, in a country where we couldn't be, we had to be covert in who we were and what we were about. Smuggled in Bibles in this bag. This bag's been to Jerusalem, where I got the opportunity to walk where Jesus walked. It's been to Rome. It's been to Central Asia a couple times. It's been to Russia. It's been all over the world. This bag has packed um, clothes, and it holds memories for so many of uh, youth trips, so many opportunities I had to go with my kids on school trips. And the bonding that we had, and for Amy and I to, to have weekend getaways. I know it's just a bag. But there's something about this bag. I don't know if you've ever found yourself walking around the street, going about your day. And if you're like me, you go throughout your day and... and there's people that you know or know about, and you kind of bump into them, you have conversations, but the reality of the day is that we walk by so many people that we never even notice. But each person has a story. Each person's story is known by God, appreciated and valued by Him, whether you see them or not. Every story matters. It's interesting when you begin thinking of it that way. This is just a bag. 
But the story behind it is so much more than that. The people that surround you may just be people that you don't know a whole lot. But God knows. And he knows their story, every ounce of it. And it's valuable to him. We serve a God who seeks, who seeks you, who seeks me, and who continually seeks after people. What's interesting about the story and how it begins to play out in the life of Jesus, see, here's the principle behind this search, right? If you lose something and it's valuable, well, then you seek it. If it's not valuable, then you just disregard it, right? You may have lost a piece of paper that came from that lamp you bought. You don't care. You don't look for it. But if it has value to it, then you search for it. See, God sees people as valuable. And the profound reality is that what Jesus declared, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. They are valuable to him. You are valuable to him. You may not feel it, but you are. We serve a God who seeks. And what's interesting about Luke 15, Jesus is getting ready to tell the story. Three of them, back to back to back. We don't see this very often in the gospel accounts. It's unique in the fact that some scholars believe this is actually one story. We see this three, and it might well be, but it's three quick examples that Jesus is giving to highlight a tension that's been unfolding for a while. See, the religious leaders of the day had one perspective, one vantage point of how they saw the world. And then along comes Jesus, and he's different. And the way he interacted with people was different. What he valued was different. And it bothered people that thought they had it all figured out. See, what you have to understand is that there was a growing tension that is amplified in the scriptures over and over between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day. Why did he value these people? In fact, here's how this whole, uh, this whole uh, stories and this whole chapter begins. Verse 1 and 2 of Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. There was something about Jesus. There was something about who he was, how he conducted himself, what he talked about, how he brought other people around. They were gathering around him, and yet the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Don't move past that word. You ever muttered? Muttering is usually when you're losing an argument. I mean, we don't argue at my house. <clears throat> but usually when I find myself muttering, it's because I'm losing. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Oh, no, nothing, nothing, I didn't say nothing. Anyone been there? Muttering's never like a great thing, right? We don't mutter positivity. We mutter, we mutter angst. We mutter into the tension. 
We mutter into the things that are bugging us. The Pharisees and teachers in the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. In parentheses, you could put, are you kidding me? Because that's really what's going on. Are you kidding me? Like, this is what you do? You have to understand, Jesus, why do you value these people? See, the unspoken reality of the day, there's a ranking of people. There's an unspoken caste system that is clearly on display for those that have established it. See, the law keepers, the ones who keep the law, well, they are the ones who are favored by God. That's how it works, Jesus. You keep the law, you obey like crazy, and you're the ones who are favored. They're the average God followers. Well, you know, like, they're not completely sold out, but they're not, like, you know, just dissing God. And so God gives a little bit of attention to them, and and so they're kind of tolerated by God. That's how it works, isn't it? And then the sinners, the ones who kind of live for themselves, don't really pay any attention to God. Well, they've got to be the people that are despised by God. Jesus, why do you hang out with these who are despised? God's certainly not paying attention to them. He certainly doesn't value them. He values us. We're the ones who obey. Surely we're the favored ones. And there's this growing tension because Jesus isn't acting and living out like they do. And there's something building here. In fact, Jesus is beginning to almost push back and reverse their understanding of the favor of God. You want to know who gets God's attention? Jesus begins pushing back. The Pharisees saw themselves as, we're the beloved, not the sinners. Those are the rejects. They're not even worthy of God's attention. Jesus said elsewhere in Luke 5, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick, the broken. Jesus continually portrayed God as having a tender and personal concern for the lost, for the sinners, those who were separated from relationship with him. And they, so much so that he would leave others in order to pursue. Jesus is trying to reverse the predominant thinking of the day. So he launches into three parables in a row. The tension's there. The match has kind of been lit a little bit. Why do you hang out with these? Why do you value these? And so Jesus, being a Jewish rabbi who teaches, says, let me tell you a story. In fact, let me tell you three. And so he goes into the stories. You ever wonder what Jesus might do if he was physically present here on earth right now? Would he be a seminary professor? I don't think so. Would he run a nonprofit? I don't know. Would he be a teacher, a doctor, a missionary, a social worker? I don't really know. I kind of wonder if he'd make movies. Everywhere he went, he told stories. In fact, James Dunn, a British New Testament scholar, talked about the ancients of the world, even those outside of the Christian realm. They, they 
they labeled Jesus the parabolist. That was the only category they had for him because everywhere he went, he told stories about birds or two brothers or a king that did this or soil that reacted this way. He had reasons that he did it. They weren't just pithy little sayings, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. It was way more than that. In fact, his stories were upending the whole narrative of the culture of the day. The power of the world owns us when we get to think a particular way. We are captives and citizens of the empire when we can't dream of something different. And yet Jesus was introducing the truth that set people free. He was pushing against the narrative of the day. Walter Brueggemann, another New Testament scholar, said you have to understand the edginess of Jesus. He told stories that would break open your brain and introduce new paradigms and reshuffle the modern narratives of the day, trying to expand your imagination to who God is and what he's really like and the truth that he's trying to convey. It's like he would say, hey, all you people who think being good and a good religious person and reading your Bible and maybe going to church and that you're going to go to heaven when you die, well, here's the problem with that. The story of the two brothers is that guy that guy gets, and he ends up being left out of the party. And the one who gets in is the one who made a mess of his life and finally got to a place where he realized that he, he couldn't earn something. And so he just wanted to go back into proximity around the father and, and kind of beg to be just around, and yet the father meets him and says, uh, bring the ring and the robe. And the mercy the father gives is, is far, so far beyond what he even, even dreamed or imagined. And he's the one who makes it in. Because he got to the point where he realized the mercy of the Father is nothing that he deserved. And yet the Father just wanted to give it. These are the stories that are messing all the categories up. Jesus was a Jew Jewish rabbi of his day. We have to remember that. He spoke about the kingdom of God most of all. You read through the Gospels, that's what he spoke about most of the time. Here's the kingdom of God, the ways of God. Here's how things work in God's reign. Here's how it is. And it's so different than the messages or the narratives of the world around you. And he's pushing and pushing. Jesus was not killed because he was a nice guy who said, Mr. Roger, like pithy sayings. He spoke about another kingdom and a way of life that upset the establishment and the narrative of the way things were. And that's what ruffled feathers and led to the cross. The ultimate problem was he didn't stay dead. He got back up and proving that his kingdom actually is the truth and the way things really are. I don't know another dead guy who got back up. But Jesus is proving the reality that the truth I've come, I've come to talk about will actually set you free. So don't get stuck in all the other ways that the kingdoms of this world say, live this way. I've got a different kingdom. And it's one of truth. We discovered that his kingdom and his way of life actually outwits and outlast any of the other kingdom codes that were trying to be established or created then or now. His is different. 
And so his story points to the real truth of who God is and what he's really like. And see, there's this growing frustration. Jesus, this is the way we do it. And you're not doing it that way. Why? Why do you value these people? They're certainly not valuable. And Jesus says, no, no, let me tell you a story. There's this shepherd, right? He's got 99 sheep. He realizes that he really has 100, but one's lost. And so what does he do? Well, he doesn't chalk it up to like, that's ah, a pretty decent batting average. And he says, look, man, I got, I got to, these 99, they're here. I got to go find the one that's lost. And so the, the shepherd searches, right? He finds the sheep that's lost, and, and he puts it on his shoulders, and he brings it. Does he, does he interrogate the sheep? Does he rail against the sheep? How dare you wander off? No. He just picks the sheep up and brings it back, and then he says to his friends, come, come, I'm throwing a party, because the, what was lost is now found. It's so valuable to me. You may look at the story and go, well, that's just a sheep. That's just a bag. It's more than that to the shepherd. You're more than that to him. I'm going to go find what's lost. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Most scholars believe this is kind of maybe kind of a headdress that would be more of a dowry for her wedding, maybe a necklace that was a part. And so losing one of those coins was. It's not like the necklace is just going to work. It's valuable. It's meaningful to this woman. So she lights a lamp. She searches the house and sweeps everywhere, finds the coin. She calls her neighbors and says, hey, celebrate with me. In fact, this is how both stories end. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to. I tell you, there's more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God when one sinner repents. What makes heaven happy? The kingdoms of this world, we build a giant building. That's what makes people happy. I don't think it makes heaven happy at all. We can grow giant ministries here. That makes the world happy and people rejoice but I don't know if it makes heaven happy. Here's what I do know. Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times in Luke 15 says, here's what makes heaven happy. When the one who was lost is found, we celebrate. Heaven rejoices there. God's love for you as an individual matters. You are never just a number to him. Your friends, your coworkers, your family members, the people you know that you walk by that you maybe not even notice, they are never just a number to God. He values them. He knows their story. The saddest experience of life is to be lost. But we have a shepherd who searches. We have one who seeks Isaiah 53, 6 says this, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turned their own way, and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. 
we are all prone to wander, as one of the hymns says. There's three words that describe sheep. They all start with D. They're dumb, defenseless, and directionless. You're never going to see a trained sheep at a circus show. Ain't going to happen. They're not the brightest animal in the animal kingdom. They don't know how to defend themselves. Most animals, well, they have claws or sharp teeth or quills or hard shell or speed to evade their predators, but not a lamb. In fact, a lamb can fall over and can't even turn themselves back over. In fact, they can suffocate if they don't get turned back over. They're directionless. They don't have a good idea of direction at all. That's why you need a shepherd to lead them. A lost soul is the most tragic condition of a life. And so often in the scriptures, like it or not, we're referred to as sheep. Now, you may push back and say, well, my, I have a high EQ. I have a high IQ. I went to Harvard. You're still a sheep. Sorry. Here's the beauty, though. The shepherd searches for you. You're never just a number to him. He doesn't just mark it up of like, well, you know, 99 out of 100, pretty good. No. The lost matters. And so our condition in and of ourselves is we are lost. That's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus searches for you and for me in order to save us and bring us home. The question is, have you ever had a personal encounter with the shepherd who searches for you? For a lot of us in the room, a lot of us watching online, we have. And we, we are now the found ones. And maybe you're here and someone invited you back to church or you tuned in online and, and maybe you're just kind of spiritually searching yourselves. That, that's how you would describe it. Is, I, I'm trying to figure out if I take a little bit from here or take a little bit from here or take a little bit from here, if I just kind of make my own spiritual journey. And, and listen, if that's where you're at, then that's where you're at. And, and, and I would encourage you to keep searching. But even better than that, I, I would encourage you to maybe begin to lean in and open your mind to the reality that the creator of the heavens and the earth actually searches for you first. Yeah. See, that's what Jesus is getting at. We, we have a God who seeks and not a God who shouts out plans and says, you figure out your way to me. No, no, no. I'm going to come find you, and when I find you, I'm going to put you on my shoulders, and I'm going to bring you home. And I'm going to throw a party. Because what was lost is now found. And that's what matters to me. It's these amazing stories that begin to unfold to help us understand the bad news is without God, you're lost. But the good news is Jesus seeks you out for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. All other world religions, man is seeking and searching for God. But in the Christian faith, it's the God of the universe who searches for you. It's the truth that helps us, that heaven rejoices with every changed life. What makes heaven happy? 
a changed life. Someone who was lost is now found. That's where the celebration is. I love what Max Lucado writes. He says, let one child consent to be dressed in righteousness and begin the journey home, and heaven pours the punch and strings the streamers and throws the confetti. When a soul is saved, the heart of Jesus becomes like the night sky on the 4th of July, radiant with the explosions of cheer. Do you know that's what happened the day you said yes to Jesus? That is what happened in heaven. And maybe as the church, maybe as people who are followers of Jesus, we need to continue to learn to celebrate what heaven celebrates. We tend to celebrate a winning lottery ticket, cancer-free. Those are good things. But maybe there's a bigger, a deeper, a grander celebration that we're to be a part of. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9 says this, Though you have not seen him, speaking of God, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your very soul. I know a lot of Christians who don't have more than about this much joy in their life. Why? Friend, you were you were lost. You were gone. There was no hope for you. And the shepherd of this world found you and brought you home. And you are now filled with an inexpressible joy, so tell your face. You may have hard days, but you are never alone. You are no longer lost. You are found. And when we're found, we're invited in to be part of the search party now. For a God who seeks and who searches after. The shepherd finds the sheep, celebrates. The woman finds the coin, celebrates. The father's son comes home. That's what we'll spend the next three weeks looking at. The prodigal. It's actually a better story than you realize. And he celebrates. A party is thrown. Our God is personally interested in every lost lamb, in every lost coin, in every wayward son. I wrote this as a takeaway. Every person has a story. Each story is known by God. God loves each person behind that story. We have a God who seeks. And once we're found, we're invited in to the search party. Because our God seeks people. So I was at Casas, right? Youth pastor there for a while. And uh, we took three buses of high school students to Magic Mountain. That was dumb. But it was fun, right? And we closed it out. It's midnight. And everyone's back at the front gate. And we're like, okay, everybody got in your small groups check in. And I'm like, okay, everybody got your seat buddy. We did seat buddies because that way, like, you're only responsible for one person. Everybody got their seat buddy. We walk back to the three buses. And we're there. We start up the engines. And we get ready to roll. And one little sheepish little girl walks up to me and says, hey, I don't have my seat buddy. I said, uh, excuse me? I remember at the front gate, we talked about seat buddies. And you kind of, everybody kind of said they had a seat Yeah, I didn't say anything. Oh, who's your seat buddy? 
well, it's, it's so-and-so, and, and uh, I said, did you check the bathroom in the bus? Like, you know, is she sitting somewhere else? I'm like, no, I've, I've looked over, the, I don't have my seat, buddy. So we get out the rolls, and we start calling names, and no one answers for her name. So I grab her small group leader, and, and we're jogging back to the front of Magic Mountain. And we're there, right? And, and I don't know what she looks like, because there's too many of them. And I just know her name, and so I'm, I'm that guy who's just yelling name, name, name. People walking by like, shouldn't you know who you're looking for? Yeah, you would think, okay. And I'm just yelling her name. I'm that guy. Small group leaders looking. There wasn't a single moment where I thought, man, 178 out of 179, that's pretty doggone good. You know, if I was in Major League Baseball, that would be making millions. I think we're good. Let's wrap it up. Name. I didn't give a rip about anybody in those buses. Why? They're safe. They got people. They'll make it. I needed to find her. Oh, it's just a person. No, no, no. It's a story. It's just a bag. No, 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 no. It's the story. It's a faceless person. No, 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 no. Jesus would say, no, no. I know that story. That story matters to me. I got to find her. And we found her. We walked back to the bus. Everybody does the high school thing. Ooh. And you get on the bus. And again, I, I didn't give a rip about any of them except her. Now we're good. We can go home. The heart of the shepherd is to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus said. Jesus, why do you value them? They're the, they're the them of society. Jesus said, let me tell you some stories. Because you're a them too. And you're going to be really glad that I value the thems. So maybe you're watching online, maybe you're sitting here in the room, and you've been on a spiritual journey. I think that's so awesome that you own that. Can I just introduce you to the creator of the heavens and the earth who knows your story, who knows your name, And you're never just a number to him. You matter. So Jesus tells Nicodemus one day, for God so loved the world, you can actually take out the world, world and just put your name in there, for God so loved Jack that he gave. 
his one and only son, that if Jack would believe in him, he would never perish, but he would have life, life beginning right now on into eternity. This inexpressible kind of joy, why? Because I live as a found one now. I'm no longer lost. Have you ever had a moment where the creator of the heavens and the earth, the shepherd of the world, found you? Friend, if you haven't, then tonight might be your night. Maybe you sense God kind of tugging on your own heart saying, man, I've been searching for spiritual things. I've been searching after God, but the reality is I didn't realize he's been searching for me the whole time. And maybe he's connecting some dots of people he's brought across your path and experiences you've had where you never really connected it. That was him searching for you. And so if you're in the room, I just invite you to say yes to him. If you're watching online, just say yes to him. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son to search for you. And if you believe, you get to receive life with God. It's not about a magic prayer. It's about a posture of the heart. Jesus, you found me. Man, do I need you. just say yes. If you say yes, we'd love to celebrate with you because we want to celebrate what heaven celebrates. That's what we care about as a church. So if that's you, leave a comment online. Let us know. If that's you in the room, I'm going to be standing down here. The worship team's going to come back up. They're going to lead us in a song that, that our team has written and it's, it's amazing. It speaks about God's heart Worship into it. I'll share a couple final things and we'll worship once more and out we go. But if that's you, say yes to him. And so Father, we thank you that you are a God who searches, who seeks. You're not content with a decent batting average. You search out each individual because each story matters. May we be people who see each story around us as people who are valuable to you. And if they're valuable to you, then, then they're going to be valuable to us. May we as a church celebrate what heaven celebrates. We look to you, Father, Son, and Spirit, Would you help us to join your search party and to seek like you do and to celebrate like you do? Je
Always enjoy the beauty of the shepherd who searches for you, who never stops searching for you, seeking you out. We're going to end tonight with a, a worship song. I'm going to have you stand in a moment, but as we do, I just want to say thanks for all of you who partner with us in financial uh, partnership and helping the church run. Uh, we do that in a couple different ways around here. We don't pass a plate, but we've got boxes in the back. A lot of folks give online for that. There's serve teams, ways that you can operate and begin to, to kind of put in your time and, and energy investing in different teams around here. One of those is our eKids ministry that we are getting ready to fully open back up come Easter. And so we could use a couple more people who would be willing to be a part of that team. We'll train you with that, help you with that. In fact, Jen is going to be right outside, uh, and you can meet with her tonight, um, right out the, on the front step there, uh, to, if you're interested about eKids. Uh, our second Saturday food distribution is next Saturday, 8.30 right here. We'd love to have you help us bless people in our neighborhood and around as we give out free food to them, maybe pray with them. And again, if you're uh, wanting to connect, uh, we've got our virtual lunch this Wednesday. Zoom in from wherever you are. We'll eat together, hang out, pray together, talk about life. Uh, I'd love just to hear more of your story. And so if you are new here, if you're new online, uh, fill out the connection card or, or drop a note. We'll follow up with you. Or if you're new here, uh, we'd love for you to fill out that connection card or meet me at the 10-minute party in the back as soon as we're done. But I'm going to invite you to stand where you're at as we sing about the greatness of who God is and, and kind of let this next song be that anthem that goes with us throughout the week, that, that you're now being sent as one who's a part of the search team of the creator of the heavens and the earth who's searching and knows the story of those that you're going to interface with. You now get to go be the church. We gathered as the church, but now you get to go be the church throughout the week. So let's sing to him. nothing that our God can't do. Let's sing. Yeah, just one word. You call the storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat. Yeah, just one touch. I feel the presence of heaven. Yeah, just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe, there's nothing that a car can't, there's not a mountain that he can't move, who oh, praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that a car can't do, 
Be blessed. Have a great week. We hope to see you next week.